they had one girl in that and she was naked in it all night and she was on her period so she was like bleeding everywhere and they just like left her out like in the middle of you know the lobby area and just you you have to expect to be treated very much less than human i feel like there is definitely a system we can put in place to make sure that at the very least we can provide some aid to the lower income uh situations I'm not doing this for political agendas. I'm doing this because there's an actual want for kids to live out a normal, healthy life without type of weird indoctrination or suffering in any way. Welcome to the Purple Political Breakdown. I am glad you are here and I'm glad you are listening to today's podcast episode. My mission in each and every one of these episodes is to really focus on the solutions to some of the biggest questions and most controversial topics going on in our current society. I feel like most of these conversations are not truly being discussed in a more logical and respectful manner due to the political toxicity that goes on with both the left and the right, both the Democrats and the Republicans. In this podcast, I don't care about any of that. I am focused on the solutions. I'm focused on bridging gaps. If you want to join me on this journey, if you want to discuss some of the most important topics, if you are tired of the political toxicity and negativity from both sides, please support this channel, share the podcast, and go to my website, www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com. I appreciate the support. I'll continue to make content and hopefully we can start bridging these gaps and focusing on real issues going on in our world. Welcome back to the Purple Political Breakdown. I'm your host, Riddell Lewis, and we are back with episode number 23 as we plan to talk about the prison system, the inefficiencies behind it, and potential ways we can find solutions to at the very least make it better than what it is in the american system of course i have an excellent guest to talk about these issues but before i dive into any of that i'm going to read off a review of one of y'all make sure you leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts so you can be shouted out in the next podcast episode so this review is from c draw 18 They said, informative and an interesting take on events and political perspectives. I appreciate that the information is broken down into digestible bites for people who want to be informed, but aren't necessarily aware of all the terms and their definitions. So appreciate you, C-Draw. Of course, that I am trying to do that in terms of laying out the facts, laying out the informations, and making them understandable to the average person on the street, right? So with that said, uh, I do want to dive into the topic at hand. I kind of already did the introduction, so honestly, we could just start off with you uh, introducing yourself. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. Um, I'm an artist and activist and a fashion designer. So Elizabeth, when it comes down to introductions, I also like to ask my guests moving forward. This is a new thing I actually implemented. Uh, what is an interesting fact or opinion that you would like people, you wouldn't mind people knowing? 
I, five years ago, I was painting murals as a federal inmate, and now I've had my own art shows and launched an environmentally friendly clothing brand based on my art and gotten bills passed for prison reform and for the good of the people. All right, excellent. Hey, it really shows that anybody is capable of making change for the better for society um, if you care enough, for the most part. You know, anyone is able to do Yep. something. So, hey, that's that's uh, that's interesting. Um, what what was the reform? Is that something you're going to talk about later, or do you want to talk about Yep. it now? Yeah, well, I was going to talk about both bills. Um, only one has to do with uh, prison reform. But, you know, there's a reason across the country, you know, all these jails were getting PPP loans to expand their prisons during the pandemic, like the money that should have gone to the people. And they're doing this so they can have more beds. And, you know, when I was in prison, we got $5.25 a month for work, paying, you know, being paid to work 40 hours a week, you know, all month. And if you don't, you get punished. And so this is all a free workforce to them. And, you know, a hospital saves $350,000 a year contracting their linen to be washed by inmates instead of paying people, you know, a minimum wage. They don't even want to pay us a minimum wage, let alone a livable wage. And now they're, you know, we went from three empty properties to 29 empty properties for every homeless man, woman, and child in America. I mean, they, the homeless problem has exploded and now they're criminalizing it slowly. I mean, the, in some cities, you can't even feed homeless people without being fined. So they're literally, you know, criminalizing these people and they're going to end up putting them all in jail and it's just a free workforce for them. So, um, you know, and after getting out, finding a place to live was very, very hard for me, you know, even though, and it's still hard for me, um, even though I've done, you know, five years really good and proved to the community that, you know, I can be, you know, a decent person and, you know, not break the law. It doesn't matter. I still have my record thrown in my face and I'm still discriminated against. And up in Bangor, um, the homeless problem just exploded. And these landlords were um, charging application fees and they'd get like 10 application fees in a week and then not even rent the apartment because they're getting three times the rent. They don't even have to turn anything on and it's just free money to them. And, you know, it's like you had 70 people look at this apartment. You can see on some of the websites how many people have viewed the, the apartment and applied. And it's like within 70 people, you couldn't find a tenant. Like this is all just free money to them. And it's driving the homeless problem up. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, the small time landlords because it's really not them. It's like the big corporate landlords that have, you know, thousands of properties and they're having these, you know, application, you know, fees and processing fees. And it's just driving the homeless problem up. You know, crime would go down if people's basic needs were met. And um, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but the bill they got, the main state representatives pass was um, landlords could only um, charge an application fee if a lease was signed. So they're not just getting, you know, a pile of money for a whole bunch of applications that they're not actually looking at. Stop right there. Yes, this is a little mini ad. Don't skip. Don't skip. All I want to tell you right now is that at the end of the day, when it comes down to all the discussions I want to have, I want to be able to communicate with you, the audience. I want to be able to 
relay a message and receive a message from everyone and try to come up with these great solutions that I keep on talking about. So if you want to be part of the community, make sure you go to the website and sign up for not only the email list so you can get weekly emails from me for the podcast episode, informational sessions, all that great stuff, but also sign up to go on my Discord so you can be part of the discussions, debates on my live streams. So be sure to go to the website, www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com and go to the email list, sign up, and go to the Discord and join the server. Now back to the episode. All right. Um, yeah, it seems a lot of a lot of things that were said I found very interesting and for definitely worth discussing and deliberating about. Um, in the future, I definitely plan to do a deep dive in terms of like affordable homes and all that because I do think there's an actual low key problem. Although that's not like one of the mainstream topics that they put on the news because they want to focus on other things that don't matter. So, um, I do think there is something there in terms of like the, the homes and people not being able to afford homes and, you know, the homeless problem. There's a, there's a lot of that goes into it with the corporates being greedy and then the culture behind being homeless and the mental illness stuff as well. So there's a lot of avenues and uh, viewpoints to go into that topic of discussion. So it's very interesting. Um, so before we dive into the main topic at hand on new segment, I also like to introduce is what you need to know what is going on currently. By the time this episode comes out, um, we'll probably be very much past. I was going to talk about the because it kind of goes hand in hand with what you were just talking about, the uh, Jordan Neely stuff. Um, but by the time this comes out, I feel like that situation will be relatively not re- Maybe the the a charge or, or or punishment or he's set free will happen. I don't know. Um, but th- this mo- I don't know if this will be a topical discussion point by then. But one thing I do want to bring up in reference to greedy corporate people is uh, recently apparently there was this infamous Mormon church that was found to be. Uh, basically scamming the people and keeping a bunch of funds over billions of dollars and not reporting it. And they said the amount of money they had was like more than even the Bill Gates and Melinda fund. So this Mormon church was able to keep billions of dollars at hold. Fortunately, there's a whistleblower who came out, called them out and exposed them for the frauds they are. But it really tells you that all these kind of organizations that's supposed to be meant for a good purpose, and there's plenty of examples out there, just want you to donate to them so they can keep your money and actually don't do anything in terms of what it's meant for in the first place. So that's that was a uh, that was an interesting thing. Um, I don't know. Have you heard about that that Mormon church that was able to scam people for billions of dollars? No, I haven't, but um, there was a similar story. I think Joel Austin, like the janitor, found like $300,000 like in a wall or something. Like these religious, you know, institutions, you know, really need to start being taxed, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's it'll be tough to kind of tax a religious institution not, um, as of right now due to, you know, how the country is founded, the First Amendment, all that stuff. Um, but at the very least, they definitely need to be held accountable way more so. 
especially you know these uh more new religious institutions that that, the, that keep the on popping up ones. <laughs> yeah those ones that keep on popping up out of nowhere they we got to realize they they're sketchy for a reason so yeah. um yeah, that's definitely well, a problem. I think there is a problem with institutions in this country, you know, having way too much power and corruption to get away, you know, with what they're getting away with. You know, like the, there's so much sexual assault going on inside the jails. And this is actually a bill that um, I'm working on. So when I was at Somerset County, you know, my first week there, I witnessed an entire pot of women get stripped out because they signed up for a razor. And a male sergeant wanted a list of who shaved their vaginas and who didn't. Those that did were put were in trouble. And I was forced to strip in front of cameras under duress of being, you know, extracted, maced, you know, all that stuff. And for those of you who think, oh, I'm going to refuse, well, you will be met with a SWAT team and they will use extreme violence on you. They will throw canisters of chemicals in your cell that are chemically designed to take the oxygen out of your lungs. And if one cell is getting it, they're all getting it. So, I mean, it's just, you know, what one does that everyone gets punished for. So in Maine, it's illegal to have cameras inside cells. So when I was at Alderson, I filed a PREA, which stands for Prison Rape Elimination Act. They don't actually do anything for you. Um, but, and this is how they're bearing the abuse. So when Alderson got the response back from Somerset, they wouldn't even let me hold it to read it myself. They read it to me and then told me I couldn't have a copy of it. Now you only have a hundred days to file a complaint when you get out of prison um, against an institution. And the first thing they asked for is, was there an outcry at the time? Did you file the proper paperwork? Well, yes I did, but they would not give it to me. And then when I got out of prison, the captain and four subordinates at Alderson, Captain Grimes, you all can Google that. They all got arrested for raping and stalking inmates and tampering with PREA evidence. Like I was not nearly the worst victim. And this is how they're covering up the abuse. They're just not giving the paperwork. By law, they have to give us the paperwork. And I requested my medical records and everything from Somerset County, which, you know, caused issues for me because then I had to go on the same psych meds that I already knew would put me in psychosis because I didn't have the records. So they weren't giving me my medical records, any of my PREA complaints, you know, any of my paperwork, period. And this is how they bury the abuse. They just don't give it up. And they told me to have it subpoenaed by a lawyer. Well, you can't subpoena anything without an open case and you can't open a case without the paperwork. So it's a catch 22 and they know this. So we need a bill that holds these institutions accountable for every day they stonewall an inmate or a patient, you know, on paperwork. There needs to be a financial repercussion for every day they do this. They, they can't continue to, to be allowed to do this stuff. I mean, you're six times more likely to get sexually assaulted by a cop than you are a civilian. And I'm not here to say all cops are bad because, you know, for every cop that oppressed me, there was another risking their job to try and make it stop. And that's a problem within itself. And it needs to be addressed. You know, the decent cops, they're not, they're not you know, they're getting their job taken from them. They're getting put in dangerous situations, especially the women. The women cops that stand up for the inmates are, are put in danger on the job by other staff members. And it's, you know, it's awful to watch. But, you know, we have, we have a lot of things that need to be addressed and holding institutions accountable, whether it's colleges, juvenile detention centers, rehabs, 
they need to be held accountable. They cannot continue to do their own investigations because they get to choose how the investigation comes out. And they care more about their reputation than they do lives. Interesting. When when I think that that was a, I should at the end of the day, that's something I shouldn't be surprised at because of like we all know how shady a lot of these institutions are at the end of the day. But it's still you know um, very surprising to hear something like that, uh, considering these institutions are supposed to be in for the people in a sense. They're supposed to be the hallmarker of what justice is supposed to emanate and then they do things that are basically the scum of the scum they're doing things that are no better than the basically, worst prisoners yeah. that you will see in a prison you know and uh, it's the military too i was in prison with a whole bunch of military you know veteran women who were thrown away by the military because they stood up to their rapist or you know maybe they fought back or got outed somehow and there's a really bad rape culture in this country and that's driving a lot of this too. You know, women, you know, 60% of women that go to prison have some sort of domestic violence or sexual assault in their background. That's how I ended up in prison. You know, I was a single mom going to college and my ex assaulted me to the point my skull was showing. And then when I went to the hospital, found out I was pregnant, they pumped me full of opiates and tell me I'm on too small of a dose to get addicted. But since I'm pregnant, if I refuse, then they're going to call CPS on me. This was back 17 years ago, you know, when they were still, when Big Pharma was still, you know, driving those profits home. And, you know, it's the suffering of the American people is a trillion dollar industry from the prisons to the medical, you know, the medical mafia, the insurance companies, the rehabs, you know, it's, it's all just profiting off of our suffering. The rehabs have a 94% failure rate. And, you know, they have the most petty rules. Like my friend's nephew got kicked out because he was drinking a cup of coffee in the wrong part of the building at the wrong time of day. $30,000, no refund. He got out and overdosed. I mean, these are the rehabs. They're not, and there's no proof that they even work. And, you know, they're just, they kick somebody out and then they fill that bed. It's another $30,000. You know, this is just the money pit of, you know, the American people suffering it's it's just endless so i want to start off by making uh, some distinctions because a lot of times when you talk about like i guess important or maybe even controversial situations the there are some people who want to get triggered based on subtle um you know things that they stick to them and they want to go like, okay, but this, this, and that. So the distinctions I want to make is first and foremost, when it comes down to um, prisons, right? So a lot of what you're eliciting seems to be, you know, for people that are um, on unfortunate circumstances, whether it's like, like you said, abuse. I don't know exactly. I know there's like different levels of the prison system themselves, but obviously we... And I'm not, not saying treat them poorly because we have an amendment in, in the Bill of Rights to say we're not even supposed to be treating prisoners poorly. But I want to make sure we have a distinction between like the worst of the worst criminals. I'm not you know. saying lock. I'm, I'm not saying let everybody out. That That's not what right. I'm saying. You know, that's important. I, you know, I deserved that three years. I was profiting off of people's addictions. I was, you know, lost in my own addiction and, you know, I needed help. 
my whole thing is stop traumatizing people while they're in there and stop giving people ridiculous, you know, sentences, you know, for, you know, ghost weight. And, you know, because some snitch said, you know, this, 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 and they can't even prove it. Like we just have people in prison for, you know, we shouldn't have people in prison for marijuana when, you know, now all of a sudden there's a whole lot of the white community making money off of, you know, smoke shops and medical marijuana everywhere. Like you've been locking the black community up and demonizing them and the hippies, you know, since the sixties. And now you all want to profit off of it. Like, it's just, I think it's the hypocrisy for me, you know, uh, yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. And that's because you listen to this, it'll be easier to make the distinction because people want to compare like all criminals the same, all prisons the same. That's not true. So we're definitely no. distinguishing low level drug crimes, you know, right. even distributing or addiction or usage or anything like that. And low women, level cr- and women in self-defense. So many women are in prison right now because they finally snapped and defended themselves against an abuser or a sex trafficker, you know, and it's disgusting, but they're letting 98% of rapists walk free. You know, it's like, those are, those are the people you should be locking up. Those are the people who are doing the most damage and the most trauma to society, you know, the sex offenders and, you know, the, the corruption and, you know, people abusing power. Like, these are the things that need to be addressed, but everything's so corrupt. Those people get away with everything. Are you enjoying today's podcast episode? I really hope you do. And I really hope you enjoy the fact that I have an amazing guest talking with me and having this great discussion. If you, as an individual, personally have your own podcast, and maybe you want to have great guests on your podcast as well, well, I got a deal for you. In my description, there is a link to something called Podmatch. Make sure to join that link through my affiliate link so you can sign up to get matched up with other podcast hosts and podcast guests so you make sure you are never missing an episode without a productive guest to have an amazing conversation with. Podmatch is similar to any other kind of matching site for the most part. And it's super easy you. Just $6 a month and you can have a guest for each and every podcast episode that is tailored to your specific topic. So again, join the link in my description and join Podmatch now. Yeah, I I 100% agree that there is a lot of corruption or there's a lot of unfortunate um, people who utilize their power in unfortunate ways within especially like from back then till now um so now that this distinction is made that we want to focus on the system that is kind of treating the low-level drug crimes the you know self-defense situations even like assault but like not like you're a serial killer right those two those people they're they're discussed for a different day that way we could focus on this specific situation scenario so when it comes down to the the process of like getting entered in this prison system, can you kind of explain how that works and what you kind of like get charged and go forward from that? Yeah. Um, well, I was, <laughs> I literally went to jail for the same drugs twice because I got busted with the state 
Um, so they kicked my hotel room door in, you know, dragged me to jail, handcuffed me. Um, they scanned my eyes, uh, my fingerprints, my hands, uh, asked me a bunch of intake questions, stripped me down, made sure I wasn't packing anything. Um, you know, give you a change of clothes and, uh, some places make you shower and do lice treatment. Um, you know, and then, and they put, then they put you in the pod, unless if you have to go through, um, like some places have like a 72 hour where they put you in solitary to, uh, put, see what, uh, security level you are. Um, but it really kind of depends how you come in. If you come in kicking and screaming, um, you're going to be in solitary. You're going to be in the turtle suit. And that's like this 50 pound, you know, thing they put over you naked for when people are suicidal or violent. Um, they, they have a chair they strap people to when they get out of hand. Um, they had one girl in that and she was naked in it all night and she was on her period. So she was like bleeding everywhere and they just like left her out, like in the middle of, you know, the lobby area. And just, you, you have to expect to be treated very much less than human. I mean, they pretty much take your name away and give you a number and that's it. You're an inmate. You're no longer valuable. You're no longer worthy of respect or, you know, human decency. If you get abused or sexually assaulted, I've literally had conservative women tell me when I got out of prison, if you don't want to get, you know, raped by cops, then don't go to prison. Yeah. Sometimes one of my big issues with the, the conservative side is the ignorance that they kind of elicit thinking that they're the model citizens. Um, one of my big issues with them, but so in, in that situation where these people who are put in these extreme circumstances, like you said, they, maybe they're acting frantic, but in terms of the crime, is it the same level crime that you committed or is like, oh, did she do know. a way worse crime? Well, um, <laughs> I, at the time I had one of the worst, you know, most serious, cause I was charged with conspiracy when the feds picked it up. Um, okay. I got charged in the state and then I was done. And then the feds picked it up two years later and, you know, I had a bunch of co-defendants, but I was being held accountable for the same drugs again. So the, the feds, there's no, if it's a different jurisdiction, like it's kind of like uh, Derek Chauvin, how he got charged in the state and then he, the feds picked it up. But, you know, yeah, but I don't think they should be doing that with drug dealers. Like, you know, I, like I did my time and I was done and then all of a sudden, you know, the feds picked it up and off, off I go. And okay. Yeah. All right. So when it very interesting, I did not know that, you know, I mean, to be fair, I haven't really looked into the, the distinction in terms of like how badly you can be treated for drug dealing. Um, to be fair, maybe, you know, they may look at some like in-depth organization from the black market that's doing a lot of these crazy things but a lot of that is also tied to violence and guns as well yeah. is the assumption too um so with that said i want to also i i do this exercise for like every discussion point before we start getting into the nitty-gritty of what the system is and the solutions we can find is if you can lay out a pro and a con for the system at hand what would those be? Um, well, a con would be it is 
very racially oppressive, which I, you know, until I went to prison, I really had no idea the extent of the systemic racism in this country. Like, you know, for example, I met a handful of women in prison that had all been sterilized against their will. And this was before Trump filled up the ice camps with refugees. And you heard about, you know, the refugee women getting sterilized against their will in these ice camps. No, this was before that. These were American women. And, you know, by the time I met, you know, the third one, I realized not a single one of them were white. And, you know, I, I honestly believe that I would have gotten a much longer sentence if I was a black woman or, you know, Spanish or something. You know, I, I really do believe that. And I, that doesn't sit well with me. Like this, you know, I grew up thinking this is land of the free and, you know, peace and justice for all. And I just feel so betrayed and, you know, just lied to basically. Like I felt like I was under this illusion of white supremacy my whole life. And then I got to wake up to it and really see the cruelty and, you know, inequality. Okay. I'm sorry. What was the other part of that question? <laughs> I get to Pro the first part. I can't remember the rest. Pros and cons. Oh, um, pros. Um, there are good programs in there. Um, the Resolve program helped me a lot. You know, I kept relapsing because of my trauma. You know, I had to get my trauma and PTSD, you know, in check before I could really tackle my addiction. You know, because that was the reason why I kept relapsing and I just couldn't handle it. I'd have a panic attack every time I left my house. So the Resolve program really helped me and um, it really, you know, gave me an understanding of what I was dealing with and, you know, what was actually happening to me, you know, and why I was reacting the way that I was and why I still was waking up screaming, you know, five years later and, you know, everything else. And so I think, you know, the feds have a really, have some really good um, programs that should be, you know, at a state level, but they don't have the funding. And if they did, they wouldn't put it towards inmates. They'd put it towards, you know, their bonuses and everything else. I mean, uh, like for example, when you show up to federal prison, if you don't have your GED, they, they sign you up for the GED. That's really great if you don't actually have your GED, but they make two grand for every inmate that is enrolled and then another two grand when they graduate. So you had all these women who couldn't prove that they had graduated high school, even though it was in their PSI, they make you get your high school diploma, you know, just to get more people into this class. So we had women with bachelor's degrees and doctorates graduating the GED. You know, that's what taxpayers are spending their money on. It's such just an empty pit, you know, of money and they're not even using it for good. You know, they can't even, they won't even buy us pads and tampons in there. We have to buy our own tampons. They, they will give us pads, um, but that's actually one of the bills uh, I helped get passed in Maine, um, that all, all jail facilities have to provide tampons and pads free of charge for women. You know, we had women in there making their own tampons out of stuff and getting infections and making themselves sick. Like, and it's like, 
you should not have to worry about that. We cannot get these things for ourselves. And then when it is on the commissary, they'll jack the price up, you know, three times what it costs on the outside. And again, we were only making $5.25. You know, a package of ramen noodles out here that cost 25 cents costs $1.50 in there. I mean, like they extort us every way they can. Okay, okay. So my next line of questioning is really kind of trying to dive into the prison system a little bit more um, specifically. So first things first, in terms of the prison system and the punishments, I'm not going to focus on the, the, you know, the criminal justice part in terms of like the courts and all that stuff and the law or anything. But I'm really going to focus on the punishments associated with the type of prison that you're going in. Do you believe that people associated with drugs should be in prison or do you believe that a more efficient rehab program should be made for them exclusively? I think a more efficient rehab should, you know, be made for them. And again, I'll say it again, like if people's basic needs were met, they wouldn't be doing this. You know how many people only sell drugs to try and make their rent because they work three jobs and they still can't pay for it. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, if we had, you know, universal healthcare, which every other, you know, well-off country does, you know, this, this kind of thing wouldn't happen. You know, I finally got my life together when Janet Mills took over for Paula Page you know, she took his governor position. And the first thing she did was expand main care. So people like me could get health insurance, you know, that I could stay, I could get the meds I needed. I could go to therapy. I could go to trauma counseling. You know, that was the game changer for me. Just having healthcare and having access to those resources completely saved my life. You know, when LePage was in office, and, you know, I signed my kids over to my father because I made a deal with him. I went to the battered women's shelter and he said, if they can't help you, you got to sign your kids over so they're safe and you're going into seizures anyway from your head injury. You can't take care of them. So I went to the battered women's shelter. They turned me away. So I was now homeless. I had no place to live, couldn't get my kids back. And, you know, I couldn't even get properly medicated anymore. And I lost all my prescriptions, you know, and that like was the beginning of the end for me when I lost my, my main care. And, you know, if people could just have access to healthcare and not have it put them in mountains of debt, you know, we have, we have people working management jobs and they're dying because they don't have their insulin. Like if, people's basic needs would just be met like it would it would eradicate a lot of the crime okay uh when it comes down to it if those situations if we create a system when it comes down to more affordable health care um i think for the most part uh i'm always iffy on the efficiency of how we can do this in America. Cause one of the big things for in America is that we have such an elite medical program because we focus on resources on a very elite, like brain surgeons or whatever. But at the same time, I feel like there is definitely a system we can put in place to make sure that at the very least we can provide some aid to the lower income, uh, situations. So that's something I'm willing to dive into. Um, of course, in terms of how we can approach that, but 
for those people that potentially are offered this type of healthcare and then still pursue, you know, drugs or still pursue um, dealing drugs in those situations. Uh, how do you, how do you think their punishment should be if rehab is not working? I, if, if they're doing it just for the thrill of it and, you know, profiting off people's addictions and, you know, suffering just because they can, then yeah, I absolutely think they should be in jail. Okay. Okay. So when it comes down to the, the different levels of prison, when those people who, you know, keep on doing it, don't really care, those type of examples, um, we got the rehab situation out the way. I feel like a lot of people do agree that we have need a more efficient rehab system put in place in terms of prison. I mean, we're finally getting to a place that hopefully every state legalizes marijuana and then we can definitely go into a lot of different other areas as well the feds feds would have to rewrite their entire sentencing um system because they literally uh transform all drugs into marijuana like for example one gram of cocaine equals 200 grams of marijuana one gram of bath salt equals 380 grams of marijuana and it's ridiculous it's the stupidest system it 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 doesn't give out justice. What do you what do you mean they transfer everything to marijuana? What do you mean by that? <laughs> like they they like when at the end when they hold you accountable for your drugs, it is in marijuana, in grams of marijuana. They convert all the drugs into marijuana. It's the dumbest thing. Don't ask me why. It does not work. Because I've seen one-tenth of a gram of basalt do way more damage than 380 grams of marijuana could ever dream of doing. And, you know, it just keeps us locked into a system where weed has to be outlawed because they're basing their entire sentencing system on marijuana. Okay. I I did not know that. So more and more states are now legalizing recreationally. I feel like at a certain point... The feds can still lock people up. The feds are still locking people up for marijuana, Mm. even in the legal states. So this is where you get into, you know, shady water where, you know, if you don't do it exactly how the state wants you to and, you know, or if you have one too many plants, the feds will come in and, you know, you will go to prison for 10, 20 years. Yeah, that's definitely excessive. I, I feel like there is a discussion point in referencing that. I mean, to be fair, I do, even if marijuana is a completely legal, like sometimes people do go overboard. So you definitely want to make sure that people are not going crazy with the drug that can make you high the kite and make you pretty much lazy all day. Um, but when it comes to dealing to obviously dealing probably will never be okay. So you would have to buy it from somewhere. So that's um that's an interesting point and i didn't know the part about them trying to convert all drugs to marijuana but hopefully yeah, I, we do get a I point to you like my paperwork if you want yeah <laughs> i i for everything out it's ridiculous yeah I, i'm not i i do believe you for sure um so we'll, we'll see how that kind of approaches a lot of uh it seems at, as of right now i don't know maybe the next well, after this election cycle, however this goes, 
We by the next two election cycles, it will be legal federally, and then we go from there in terms of all the, you know, uh, weird stuff when it comes to the feds, as you were eliciting. So, with that said, like I said, we agree that rehab is definitely needs to be more efficient. Um, not only for people with dr- under like drug usage situation, but people who have like mental illness problems as well. So, you know, that needs to be a more efficient program altogether that, um, we all agree on, but also, in terms of the medical, ahead. the doctors in prison, 60% of them. in I believe it's Alabama have lost their medical license. So it's not illegal for doctors with malpractice suits and that have lost their medical license to the medical board to work at prisons. And that's what usually happens. And, you know, I watch so many people die of very treatable things. And I watch inmates doing miniature surgeries on themselves. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. You should not have doctors who have malpractice suits and have killed people working with, working with anybody, you know, and, oh, they're also allowed to work on native reservations too, which is absolutely disgusting to me. They're not allowed to work anywhere else, but they're allowed to work in prisons and native, you know, clinics. Are these privately owned or like public or government everywhere? Yeah. They're all government. Yeah. Because that's how it was in the feds. And yeah, I just read a a statistic that 60% of the doctors in Alabama have, you know, lost their medical licenses. Okay. Yeah, that's actually uh, pretty crazy. If they, especially if they are signing up for like these private prisons, it's really hard to really, the, the skepticism behind them being a corporation that makes a prison. I, I don't really understand that part. Um, how about the judges that own the prisons and they're sentencing people to go to their prison? They're literally making money off of, you know, sentencing somebody. Yeah, that obviously seems uh, corrupted in terms of those situations. I don't really agree with the sentiment of private prisons. Um, if with that said, if we took out all private prisons, would you be okay with like raising like taxes and whatnot? Not or rerouting the way taxes are used in terms of state funded prisons? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So what it so when it comes down to the 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 people here that are doing the nasty stuff that you were talking about. How would you, what is the solution that you would have in terms of holding them more accountable for the actions that they are emitting in prisons? There, are you talking about the inmates or the guards? The the guards, the guards. Oh, okay. Um, I, there needs to be an outside source investigating these prisons. And, you know, a lot of times inmates are too scared to even make a complaint or ask for help or do anything like that. Because the retaliation game is so real and is so serious. I mean, they will try to get you more time. They, I've, I've watched guards plant stuff, you know, on people. I mean, they, I've watched guards push inmates up against the wall just so they could say, oh, they reacted and spray them. Like, it's that level of, you know, sadistic cruelty. I mean, I was in solitary and I had a female sergeant telling me to kill myself. 
while I was in psychosis on the wrong medication. And then it was in the paper that she told this other inmate to kill themselves. And they had to cut that inmate down from a suicide attempt. You know, these, and she still works there. She's still getting her pension. Like these officers cannot continue to keep getting in trouble like this and, you know, still get a pension, still get like, she should, she should not have a pension. You know, officers that do that much damage should not get to live on a pension. I mean, and, you know, I, me and one of the state reps were talking, you know, maybe there's a way like you could have a, a kiosk, like a computer kiosk. And if an in, something happens to an inmate, an inmate can report on there and it would go to an outside source instead of, you know, the jail, because the second you start reporting in the jail, that's when they come for you. That's when, you know, they start you know, putting you in solitary for no good reason. And, you know, solitary confinement literally slows down the brain from the lack of stimulation. So it makes normal situations. Like when I got out of solitary after six weeks, people talking over each other would make me panic. And the first thing I would go to in my head was, who do I have to fight to get out of here? Like that is literally your first instinct. This is what solitary does. You're not rehabilitating people. You are destroying them and traumatizing them and making it so that their brain is rewired, that they cannot deal with, you know, normal levels of stimulation without it feeling like chaos. In the situation for them to kind of report to an outside source, um, and I, I do see some validity in having kind of like a, a, an inspector and making sure everything is kind of status quo to an extent. Uh, how would you alleviate pro uh, potential prisoners that are kind of sending false reports or <laughs> spam reporting um, situations? That doesn't really happen. Like, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not speaking like... on the statistics or the logistics of it happening or not happening. I'm speaking on the the potential risk that it does happen. I mean, they have cameras everywhere, so or at least they're supposed to. So, I mean, they're so innocent. Like, I mean, just show the footage. Like, okay. So, in in addition to the reporting, um, having a, a route to report to an outside source, do you believe there needs to be better security footage in these prisons as well? Yeah, I, I do. Not inside the cells where, you know, the inmates are going to the bathroom. And that's a problem because, you know, all across the country, you have jails that are putting cameras in inappropriate places. And then I remember I was brought, as an inmate, I was brought to where these security cameras were and I could see another inmate going to the bathroom. And that's not okay. Like you're in there with predators. I remember going to Rhode Island State Prison and being like, I couldn't believe how many female, you know, sex offenders and child, you know, murderers there were in that place. And, you know, it, there are people in there that definitely deserve to be there. And the prison shouldn't, you know, expose you know i i had another officer pull my pants open and ask me if i was wearing underwear you know in front of exposing me to other inmates and she had she, this weird thing where she would do that to people like if you did that at a job you would get fired and sued for sexual harassment you shouldn't be doing that to another human being okay okay so 
it definitely seems like it's a big thing in terms of these prisons from your account, of course, that, you know, there's unfair to ridiculous amounts of unfair treatment to the prisoners, of course. Um, I'm sure there's going to be people arguing out there that, oh, like you said, the conservative woman said, oh, yeah, you shouldn't go to prison in the first place. Um, you shouldn't do this. Nobody this wakes up and wants to do that. I had exhausted all other options. Like I had gone to the shelter. I had, you know, gone to CPS. I had gone to everywhere I could for help. And it was not good enough. Like you people get to a point where it's just too hard to survive. And then you have, you know, some crazy tragedy, you know, like I had happen and it completely rips the rug out from underneath you. So in comparison to the American prison system, because I, I like to gauge like where your honest thoughts are and referencing the system. We know, I forget when one of the Scandinavian countries goes to a whole different extreme in terms of treating prisoners to even like if they're a murderer, they'll give them like basically a dorm and let them go and leave that. Yeah. Do you think that is a appropriate way to treat prisoner or do you think that's going a little too far maybe finding a medium between the two what do you think no no there needs to be space there you you know i got to the point where i couldn't even open a door i would have to psych myself up to open a door because it was so ingrained in me that if i opened a door on my own i would be met with a swat team and with violence and I knew I was out, I knew it was over with, but still just like, it would literally take me like 20 minutes to get out the door because I would literally have to gas myself up. You don't have to, do, you know, rewire people to the point they can't function, you know, and you're not making, it's Sweden. They do great with their prisons. They don't even have violence in their prisons because they're treated like human beings and they're, they're, they're given their own room, their own space. They can get their own stuff. You know, basic stimulation, you know, instead of depriving people of complete compassion and empathy, you're not rehabilitating them. You're, you're turning them into a monster. Interesting. So overall, I do think there's a lot of very um, fair and productive solutions that was pointed out here in today's discussion um for me personally when it comes down to the prison system i do think it's extremely like inefficient now i'll be honest i'm not like one of the more like emotional person I try to always think things through like logic and facts of course trying to be objective on what's going on so there's certain criminals inherently i don't want them to be like I said, we have an amendment there for a reason. We don't want to torture people. We don't want to have them, you know, ex do so have people treat these prisoners to like they're less than dirt. But there are some people emotionally I just will never feel sorry for. And you elicited some of the worst type right. of people, right? But to from excluding that from the comp topic of conversation, the at the end of the day, we all should realize that prison for the most part should be something that rehabilitates prisoners to come back in society. All those other people have a sentence and they'll come back to society. We all know they'll come back into society or they're supposed to come back into society. So the process of them coming back to society should be appropriate based on how they were treated while they're in prison. Um, so 
in terms of these situations where it's like a low-level assault or maybe a theft or something dealing with drugs, as long as it's not something crazy, then these prisons definitely, I agree, should be much more humane to the prisoners and helping them adjust uh, to establishing themselves back into society. Now, I don't think the Sweden prison system would ever work in America purely because how different we are from Sweden and our culture. Um but to say that we can't find a more a system that's a more accountable to the correctional officers that you're talking about and a lot more helpful to the prisoners, I feel like is just being dishonest. The juvenile systems are even worse than the adult facilities. Um, when I was at Cumberland, they would there's only one juvenile uh, detention center in Maine, and it's called Long Creek and every couple years or even couple months they're always in the paper for breaking kids arm sexual assault allegations and they always just change the person at the top and nothing ever changes and when i was at cumberland they brought this 17 year old girl from there who snapped and stabbed a ceo because she got tired of getting raped well they brought her with us because whenever they can't handle a juvenile, they just bring them with us, you know, at Cumberland, the adults. And on Christmas, they told her she was going back. They knew what happened to her. And on Christmas, they decided to terrorize this little girl and tell her she was going back into the custody of her abusers. And she flipped out. They took her to Max. And later that night, she broke a razor open and slit her throat. That was better than going back for two weeks. And these children are not believed simply because they're children. And these predators know this. That's why they choose employment at a juvenile detention center. Because, oh, it's a troubled kid. They're making stuff up. They are never believed. And then you set that child on a path of trauma and what was supposed to help them you know, ended up traumatizing them and make them completely distrust everything in the system, everything in the world. These kids were broken from the system so much worse than I ever was as an adult. And it's, it's everywhere. I mean, you know, you heard these Republicans, we got to get armed guards in the schools or armed cops in the schools. You did that and you sent a bunch of black kids to juvenile facilities, you know, that weren't, doing anything you know one I think one kid ran down the hall too fast and he got arrested for it like all you did was take these kids out of school and put them in a place where they're going to be abused sexually physically mentally and emotionally so that was definitely uh very enlightening and this kind of sheds light on a few things now I'm gonna be honest in reference to one point that you said I definitely have I, I, I'm actually one of those people that for sure says that um, we should have a better security in schools. I am 100% there. But I do think that there is a legitimate worry that if you put a racist person in there, they obviously or just put a scumbag in there, they will obviously abuse their power. So that's a legitimate worry, uh, for sure. Um, and it's just one of those situations when it comes down to like employing people in important positions to hope that they're not a scumbag. It's just one of those things that you really can't account for. But um, more, I rather more better security than not having security. You just gotta vet them better 
you just don't hire just anybody, right? Um, yeah, but, I think there should be psychological evaluations. You know, if, oh, I think if you have a position of power over anyone's lives, you should have a psychological evaluation. And, you know, cops only have like six months of training. You know, other countries, they make their cops train for two years before they even go out, you know, on the streets. And that's the way it should be here. You know, they're, they're literally taught to scream gun, even though they haven't seen a gun, because it'll make witnesses around say, oh, he said he saw a gun, so there must have been a gun. Like, they literally do that to throw off witnesses in a traumatic event. Yeah, I don't, for me, when it comes to the duration, I don't think that's a problem because, you know, when it comes to the military, I used to be in the military, and I know for a fact that us in the military with less than six months training, we are way more efficient than a cop. It's just the training they go through is just not efficient. Whatever they're taught in there sometimes is not efficient. They're not, some of them are like overweight sometimes. Like these cop, the, the standards in terms of being a police officer, the, the bar of being someone in the military and, a bar, and someone being a police officer shouldn't be that far apart. It should be relatively close. Sure, military is up here because they got to do a lot more serious stuff, but a cop shouldn't be that far apart in terms of the standard. So I, I agree with like the cop system sometimes being extremely inefficient. Some cops take it very seriously, super well-trained, super responsible. But then you got the slobs, the people who don't care. The amount of overweight cops I see is actually ridiculous. I stand by that. I shouldn't be seeing that many overweight cops. It's so dumb. Um, okay, with that said, the things you were talking about, Juvie, is super enlightening because at the end of the day, there's so much discussion and revolving around children. Like you said, and revolving around like mass shootings, for example. And I'm talking about how we should have all these solutions to help these kids. Obviously, mental health is definitely a big part of it, of course. And then there's talk about, you know, children revolving the LGBTQ and trans stuff. Everybody cares about children in these situations. Everybody's talking about this, this, and my kids in this situation. But I'm speaking at you, conservatives, because I, 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 I slander the lefties, too. But I'm speaking at you, conservatives. You act like you care about these children in these all these situations. But as you elicited here, the juvenile system, a system put in place for children, for rehabilitation, like, like this is not to keep kids in, in uh, like punishment. These are to put kids in the right track so they can be a part of a normal society. This system is extremely corrupt extremely corrupt based on what you were telling me right here now i can't say every single system in every single state is corrupt but to say i never hear never hear someone from the right never hear someone from conservative ever talk about this potentially corrupt system with potentially corrupt people not caring about these kids that are going to juvenile hall so i just want a level of consistency because i i do care about children uh i care about kids um i may not be a parent as of yet but, you know, I have friends that have kids. I'm an older brother of, like, five siblings. So I have an innate interest to make sure we are better, especially when I have a kid down the line. But I'm not doing this for political agendas. I'm doing this because there's an actual want for kids to live out a normal, healthy life without type of weird indoctrination or suffering in any way. So... 
that's that's where I come from. That um, that's a message to you, conservatives. Hey, I can talk about lefties all the time, but sometimes people got to talk to you, conservatives, as well, saying that you all are being whacked too. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> um, but do you have anything else that you want to bring up? Any other solutions in reference to the the prison system that you want to elicit? Um, so. Up in Maine, there was this uh, cop from Callis, and he got arrested for trafficking. He gave a 17-year-old girl in high school drugs for her mother, who was giving him sexual favors for the drugs. Now, I called the DA up and was like, why didn't you charge him with a sex crime? He extorted her mental health and her addiction. He's a cop of over 30 years. He knows about addiction, and he's extorting her with drugs probably he got in you know the uh evidence locker and he goes you know you made some really good points um and because i said i was like you know as a woman who's been to prison if a cop were to come on to me the only thing i'm thinking is what am i going to jail for when i say no and that's the truth of it because they have power over us so he said the way the law is written it was consent but you made some good points. So you should bring that up with the main state representative. So that's kind of how I got into, you know, uh, writing about writing bills and proposals for that. But there should be no such thing as consent with a police officer and civilians. Like they should not be getting sexually gratified on the job anyway. Like, and if you have to use your badge to get laid, like you, you have no game, like just, you know, pack it in because, you know, that's all you have. You have to bully women into sleeping with you with your badge. Like, come on. Right. There's that's so really think- no difference from that versus like um what is it called? Fraternization. Like we know that people yeah. with power are not allowed to use their power to, you know, do whatever, whatever with said person. Oh, but they do, you know, especially in like drug courts and you know, like there's one cop in um and I'm not going to say where because it's not my story, but um, he was pulling women over and telling them, giving them really big speeding tickets if they didn't blow him, basically. And, you know, that's that you, you can't do that. Like, these are the things that need to be, you know, held accountable for. It should be automatic sexual assault. If it, even if it's consensual, like because, you know, I know a lot of women who would just, you know, submit because they're scared of cops. And they don't want to get hurt. So they're not even going to try to say no. They're just going to sleep with the man because they feel like they have to. So, I mean, officers on duty should not be getting sexually gratified on taxpayers' money, period. And, you know, they're just, they're, they hold too much power over us. So, you know, it should not be consent. It should be the same as correctional officers. There's no such thing as consent because of the difference of power. Yeah, I 100% agree to that. Uh I think there's really not not much to be said. There's a lot of situations, you know, with a lot of the things that I feel like for the most part, when it comes down to America, uh, I'm in one of those uh, kind of opinions that sometimes we focus on the negatives too much or focus on the wrong things too much and don't really focus on like overall how much better we have it than other people or overall don't focus on other things that are probably more important. And I feel like this situation, although it's like not praising America or anything, 
I never see anyone talk about our prison system. I never see anyone talk about the inefficiencies behind our prison system. I always, for the most part in politics nowadays, it's talking about, you know, well, nowadays it's talking about mostly like trans issues and, and LGBTQ. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, obviously cop stuff too, but I usually never see anyone talking about prison stuff because I think this is an actual discussion. If any rational person discussed a lot of the things that go wrong in these prison systems, and maybe they want to go into statistics, all that. But in terms of the actions themselves and the per and the accountability that should be had, I think most people would agree rationally that, yeah, we need to make it more accountable. We need to make it more efficient. And we need to make it more uh, appealing to rehab the individuals that are not crazies on the other extreme side that we, you know. Right topic of a different just uh discussion for a different day so um yeah any last words for wrap it up um if y'all want to check out my environmentally friendly clothing brand um here's one of my bags um it's on legalerice.com slash en slash elizabeth dot mccodowitz and it comes in plus sizes too so it's very inclusive and it's very flattering to all body types all right excellent uh all their information will be on the website of course when it comes down to um my website and uh, i think this was a very interesting discussion very great discussion a lot of new information that i did learn or uh, kind of enlightened about uh, in consideration for like the potential corruptness of prison systems so do you want a great website like this this is my podcast website where i direct the audience to come to watch the content listen to the content read the blogs and much much more if you want to have your own customizable podcast website then join my affiliate link in my description to sign up for something called PodPage, and they can help you customize an easy podcast website for your personal podcast. Sign up to get a discount now. Again, use the link in my description to join PodPage now. With that said, I hope you guys enjoyed the discussion. Of course, we'll be back next Monday. Y'all have a good one. Rate it five stars. Take care and peace.